Welcome back to Are You For Real with Sarah Frick. Today, we have one of my favorite women and OBs, who is also my OB and many of yours, Dr. Natalie Gregory. Um, Natalie, thank you so much for coming on. I know you are the busiest woman in uh, the Charleston area, (laughs) giving life to so many people. And you are, you've been such a big part of my story, which you, you know, was... I always I had to tell the story this morning to this man I was talking to at the Post and Courier, and I'd said, like, you were the person when they noticed Grace was small that said, we're going to get you an MUSC. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to cry the whole time either, but... So, like, you being able to do that for me, knowing what the possibility could be, and this is why I'm so emotional about the situation, and someone else not getting that same Grace, it's really wrong. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> before I cry for 45, 50 minutes, let's introduce yourself a little bit tell everyone how smart you are because it's really important (laughs) (laughs) all right I'm Natalie Gregory and I don't know I grew up I was born in Mississippi I grew up in Tennessee when I went to Presbyterian College my parents moved down to Charleston my dad was the minister at First Scott's Presbyterian downtown for 20 years and so my now husband, then boyfriend, went to the College of Charleston. When I would come down here to visit him, I was like, this is where I want to live when I grow up because mm-hmm. it's amazing. And so when my parents told me they were moving here, I was like, that's great because that's where I'm going to live when I grow up. <laughs> that's, that works out great. So I went to MUSC for medical school and then out to Colorado, partially because like my top choices were staying at MUSC. I loved it here. Or like go someplace for four years we would we were newlyweds we didn't have any kids you just go someplace fun but I knew I couldn't get the training in South Carolina that I could get in Colorado not that I was planning on becoming an abortion provider but I wanted to be able I wanted to be able to do that as part of like the regular old residency training program without so they don't do that in South Carolina they do they're required to but you had to, at that point anyway, kind of seek it out on your own and do it like during your elective rotations or on your off time as if you had any off time. Right. I mean, this was like right around the time they were changing and adopting residency work hours. So <laughs> so you worked all the time. Right. Like we were limited to 80 hours on average, but most programs completely violated that yeah. all the time. So, but if you can do it, like that, if you can practice medicine like that, then you can do it like out in Cush, Mount Pleasant. <laughs> right, 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 right. You're like, I got this. <laughs> in your sleep, you know, you can do it. Yeah. Um, so then when I finished out in Colorado, I knew I wanted to come back here. So we came back here. My, my husband would have stayed there yeah. and would pack up and move back tomorrow. Yeah. I was like, we're going to go back to South Carolina where our families are and have babies. Yeah. And he's like, well, what if I don't want to go? I was like, well, let me put it this way. I'm going to go back to South Carolina and have babies. <laughs> yeah. If you would like to participate, you should come with. Right, right. <laughs> and so he said, okay, I guess this is my option. Yeah. 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 So then he had to take another bar exam, which I'm sure was super, super fun for him. Yeah. Um, and so how long have you been, del- how long have you been delivering babies? Today's episode is brought to you by Plastic Surgery of the Carolinas. Say hello to the SkinPen microneedling device. This non-surgical solution is highly popular for reducing signs of aging, enlarged pores, uneven skin tone and texture, and diminishing acne scars. The SkinPen creates tiny micro injuries that stimulates the body's natural healing process, promoting the production of collagen and elastin. 
In addition, your very own platelet-rich plasma, or otherwise known as PRP, is infused and applied to the skin. PRP contains high concentration of platelets, stem cells, and growth factors, and penetrates your skin through the tiny channels the microneedles create. The PRP supercharges the benefits from microneedling and addresses under-eye puffiness and dark circles to give you a more youthful, well-rested appearance with little to no downtime. Plastic Surgery of the Carolinas is a premier plastic surgeon's office and med spa located on Long Point Road in Mount Pleasant. Achieve more youthful skin that looks and feels healthier by getting a skin pen with PRP treatment today. While they are offering a limited time only treatment pricing for just $350, that's 50% off. To schedule or inquire about this promotion, please call their office at 843-881-3881 and always mention the works. You know what? I delivered my first baby in probably 2003. Okay. And did you always know OB? No way. Absolutely not. I was like, I was going to be like an internal medicine, like maybe peds and I could like play with kids yeah. and sick kids are awful. Yeah. They're so pitiful and sad yeah. and ornery and no, thank you. But the first baby that I delivered was actually from a 15-year-old who got dropped off at MUSC to have a baby. Mm. Dropped off. Dropped off. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Got a ride. And I called my mom at like 3.30 in the morning. I was like, oh, my gosh, mom, you're not going to believe what they let me do. It was the most amazing thing. Let me tell you all about it. Right. Um, and I've figured out what I'm going to do with my life. They always say you kind of find your people, too. Like yeah. In medicine, it's a certain kind of personality. Yeah, um, my sister-in-law was, and I were talking about Annie Andrews, uh -huh. who's um, she's coming to meet me tomorrow. Oh, she's amazing! You're I can't, I can't her. wait. I but her. she's a pediatrician, right? And she was saying, like, Natalie, she, you've got this, like, you're a little bit more aggressive. Like, I don't know how to say this nicely. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's because I'm an OBGYN. I right. have like that personality. Well, like, you got to fight for your people. Well, you have to be able to take control in a situation that can change at any moment, and you have to be able to get control of the whole room in a very calm and organized way, mm -hmm. and everybody looks to you, mm -hmm. and so you have to, like, control your own heart rate. You're and really good at that. I freaking love it. Like, yeah. my favorite is an emergency C-section. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> it's my favorite. Well, you just told everyone. <laughs> oh. Like... When the baby comes out and the baby cries and you just like get to say to everybody, all right, everybody, stop, calm down, mm -hmm. take a deep breath. Mm -hmm. We did it. Mm -hmm. Now keep doing what you know how to do. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so that's what we train for. But so we train for everything so that you can be prepared for all of the easy, normal stuff, because that's probably what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But when the crazy stuff happens, you have to be able to control yourself and think clearly. Yep. And, you know, some of us love that adrenaline rush. Some people want to run out of the building and never come back. And Right. <laughs> um, everybody's got their niche, though. Yeah. No, I think it's fascinating. I mean, I can't imagine. I, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. <laughs> but it's amazing to me. I mean, it's, it's so, so amazing. It's so great. Um, so... You know, we are on here to talk a little bit or to talk about the Roe decision overturned. Mm -hmm. And I know you wrote this letter that has gone out now and a bunch of people have been passing it along. And it's everybody I know from people that uh, think or believe like I believe in other people that aren't where I am. 
everybody's like, this is so informative. Like I told you my father-in-law got mm-hmm. a copy of it. Our John sent it, my husband John sent it to my father-in-law and he sent it to a few of his OB friends that are in Spartanburg as well. Mm-hmm. And they're passing it around there. Everyone, I mean, so bravo on your, <laughs> on your manuscript. <laughs> um, so what was your like initial thoughts, feelings when all this was happening or, or last Friday? <sighs> I mean, I was in the middle of my clinic and seeing patients, and I got a little thing on my phone. I can't even remember if it was a text from a friend or if it was like a news thing that popped up, but my heart just sunk. And like my hand started shaking. I'm like, this, this is happening. This is for real. I mean, we knew I had this sort of the same feeling earlier when they leaked yeah. the opinion. And got a middle-of-the-night text from a friend in Tennessee and was like, this can't be real. This has got to be like, I click on this and there's going to be that dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. The big, huge guy. Yeah. You know what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, I do. We all, I'm always the one that sends that picture to everyone. And I was like, this has got to be that. No, please be that. And I'm just heartbroken. It's like, it, it just this just can't be happening. Yeah. Every, when they were going around with this heartbeat bell okay the end of 2020 what were we doing like covid right Mm -hmm. january of 2021 they come back to session and senate bill number one is this heartbeat bill which makes no sense medically can you explain it a little bit to our listeners because remember like they're like me so (laughs) it basically So I used to talk about Nikki Haley in my annual exam, not annual exam visits, but my anatomy scan visits. And I would say, I used to do anatomy scans at 20 weeks because that's kind of a good time to be able to see everything and the baby's big enough that usually it's the only time we have to do a scan. Right. But Nikki Haley changed the law on purpose to be 20 weeks is the limit for termination of a pregnancy in South Carolina where, you know, other states it's viability, which is 23 to 24 weeks. So 20 weeks. Okay. Then most of us don't diagnose anything until 20 weeks. Mm -hmm. So now I need to start doing my anatomy scans at 18 weeks, which means a lot of people are going to have to come back in another month and get another follow-up scan because I couldn't see everything because the baby wasn't big enough. Right. Well, it's interesting because when Carter was getting her, she went in at like 16, 17. I was like, I thought it was 20 weeks. It was always 20 weeks for me. It used to be. Yeah. And when I had to tell a friend at 19 weeks and four days, your baby has brain malformation and you've got like three days mm. and you have to get to MUSE and you have to get an amnio and you have to get genetic counseling and you're not going to get results back. And what do you want to do? And thankfully we're privileged enough. And I say we, because she's in the group of, white women with the means to be able to go and stay with a friend in another state Mm -hmm. and have the support and have her husband go with her. And if, if that's what she chose to do. Mm -hmm. And I told all my partners, I'm not doing that again. I'm not giving somebody three days to make a decision like that. That's, that's cruel. So we started doing our anatomy scans at 18 weeks. And even then I've had to tell people, you've only got a couple weeks and thankfully I can send them to colleagues in town who can do these in the hospital or who work at 
the local Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. or people I can say, I'm sending you to somebody. I know her. She's fantastic. She's going to take good care of you. Because I can't really do terminations because of the cost. Because I have to do it at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And it's outrageously expensive. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of record keeping. It opens you up to, you know, the state being able to come in and look at your records anytime. This, the law says that you have to keep your records for seven years. Um, I have to always make sure that those records are made. I don't keep track of my records. <laughs> I type it in the computer and click save. Yeah. I don't know who does that. And yeah. I don't know who keeps... I assume we still have it for seven years. Right. I could probably look up your pap smear from seven years ago. Probably the last time I got one, which is sad. <laughs> probably. You I'm not saying anything. Um, when but, I walked out of there, I said, that's it. <laughs> done. Done. Um, I always tell people we're, we're not breaking up. We're just on a break. Yeah. You still have to come back and see me every so often. <laughs> um, so we're doing our anatomy scans at 18 weeks. And... This Senate bill comes up that they want to move it from 20 weeks to the point of a fetal heartbeat. Mm -hmm. The point of the fetal heartbeat, that's the first ultrasound. That's when you come in and you call us, you pee on a stick, you call us, you say, hey, I'm pregnant. We're like, great. If you you tell us when the first day of your last period was, usually it was a month ago, Mm -hmm. right? And we consider you four weeks pregnant. Mm -hmm. And then we tell you we want to see you at eight weeks Mm -hmm. because we won't be able to see a heartbeat reliably, predictably, depending on your cycle length and all kinds of factors. We may not be able to see what we want to see. It's frustrating to come in at six weeks and see a gestational sac and a yolk sac, but not see a fetal pull and a heartbeat. Yeah, it's terrifying. So then you go home and you're like, "Ah, I'm like pregnant and halfway pregnant. I don't know, a little bit pregnant. Can you be that? And then you come back and you either see a heartbeat or you don't. So we don't want to do that to people. So we want to see you at eight weeks. And even then, half the time my nurses are coming back and they're like, this lady called and she really needs to be seen and you don't have an appointment this week. You don't have anything the next week. Where do we put her? And I'm like, you know, we got to make room for her. Um, But it's hard for established patients to get in that quickly. Mm-hmm. You call and you've never been seen and you want a Unless new you're patient Sarah appointment. You right. call and you call and screaming and raging and well, telling them who you, you are. Like have my, you text me and you're yeah. like, hey girl, yeah, I got to hit you up. I'm coming. Another, <laughs> I got to hit you up with another vagina question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll answer. It's okay. Um, so then, but you can't get an appointment that fast. So you start to see the fetal heartbeat and I can tell you from personal experience doing my own ultrasounds with my sweet Della Bella that you see a gestational sac, then you see a yolk sac, then you see a fetal pole. When the fetal pole is as small as two millimeters sometimes, 1.8 millimeters, I've seen a flicker of a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. I don't have to see a heartbeat until the baby or the fetal pole, I, I, I should speak correctly and not call it a baby because it is a fetal pole at that point, And if it's more than seven millimeters and there's not a heartbeat, then I can confirm that that's sort of a missed miscarriage. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is no time between conception. So why is it a six? So this band, this band, they're saying calling it six week, but you're saying you don't really see a heartbeat till eight. No, no, no. I'm saying we don't even usually see you until eight weeks. Right. So then what is? So if I saw you at six weeks. Like there is a period, there's a period of time of about a week, maybe 
where you can know you're pregnant and not see something on the ultrasound. So if you come in, if you happen to be lucky enough to get an appointment mm-hmm. and come in and we see a gestational sac, but no yolk sac, no fetal pole, no heartbeat, then you qualify under the law to be able to electively terminate your pregnancy. That eliminates everybody. Exactly. Because I'm not going to tell you that you can terminate a pregnancy and have a DNC or use the nifepristone medical abortion pill if I'm not sure I know where your pregnancy is. Right. So you have to be far enough along for me to be able to determine, is it in the uterus or is it in the fallopian tube or is it in your cervix or do we know where it is? Is it one? Is it two? I don't know. Right. Until I can confirm where that pregnancy is, I can't move forward. I can't tell you, is it a normal pregnancy? Are you miscarrying? Is it a dangerous to your life pregnancy? Mm -hmm. This is a situation where I would tell you, no, you can't go on the cruise. Right. Like, don't go out of town. I don't know if you have a pregnancy in your belly that could rupture at any moment. You could have a medical emergency until I know where this is. Right. So there's this little teeny tiny sliver of time where, you know, 10 counties in this country don't, I mean, I'm sorry, 10 counties in this state don't have an OBGYN. Wow. One, not one. Charleston, like, it's a lovely place to live, so there's lots of us. But still, there's more women than there are mm-hmm. us to take care of you guys. Right. It eliminates the almost everybody from doing it electively. And then they say, you ask anybody that supports this, and they're like, there are exceptions. They say if it's rape or incest, which th- they tried to pass this without the rape and incest. McMaster's recently admitted that he didn't realize that that was even in there. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. So you didn't listen at all when we were having these discussions? Mm-hmm. So he wanted it passed without the exception for rape and incest, mm-hmm. which to me is sort of infuriating in the first place because who gets to decide that? I mean, yeah. Seriously? So basically just as a normal human, mm-hmm. <laughs> not like a super, super smart human like you. I'm smart in other ways. But <laughs> this six-week bill is basically just something to put in place so you're just kind of fucked. Yeah. This is, it sounds good. Does it? I know. I'm thinking, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of the, the people that support this bill. And I'm saying like... The heartbeat, like, oh, that's great. Like, you, everybody loves to hear the heartbeat and right. stuff like that. But you can't even see it then, most you of the time. You can see it. You can't hear it. You can't even hear it with the Doppler machine until 12 weeks, usually. Oh, I had those. I had two yeah. Dopplers. Yes. <laughs> yes. Chase them around my stomach. Of course So with this uh, ban, and has it has been passed, correct? It was passed, and then... I think it's the Fourth Circuit Court put an injunction. So I was freaking out when all of this stuff passed. This is the letter that I wrote before all of this stuff passed. Immediately it passed. I flipped out and I called all of my malpractice carrier and the hospital administration. Like, what are we going to do? Oh, my goodness, what do we do tonight if this happens? If these scenarios happen, what are we going to do? And then they basically stopped enforcement of it because of Roe. So then I assumed that when or if Roe fell, or when after Mm -hmm. the leak, um, 
that it would at least take a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't until that afternoon that our governor was on TV saying that he wanted to reconvene and push this through as quickly as possible and make it even more strict. Like, we don't even have to have exceptions. Like it's like I said, he didn't realize there were exceptions for rape and incest. And it's just so obvious that these people don't understand this. Right. Either they don't understand it and they're stupid, A, or they're willfully ignoring this for some other agenda, B. <laughs> And I find it hard to believe that all of these really smart people are that stupid. Mm -hmm. It's like I, I find it hard not to take it personally. Yeah, I would. I, th I think it's very personal. I take it very personally, and that's why I wanted you on here because people can't fight with facts, right? People can't. Well, I mean, I guess they can, but like I always think like I don't have the facts that you have, but like people can't tell me my story isn't my story. People right. can't tell me what happened to me. Like, and let's speak to this. So if I got pregnant mm -hmm. under this, and I don't mm -hmm. know the answer. And at 11 weeks, I did that CVS test. Mm -hmm. And the baby had an unbalanced translocation. Mm -hmm. What would the situation be? You would bury another child. That's so fucked up. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter how your current family would deal with it and what it would do to your kids mm -hmm. to watch their brother or sister pass away and watch their mom fall apart and their dad try and keep her together. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't matter to them. Because that's not an exception. Absolutely not. Even though I could carry that baby all the way to 40 weeks. Yes. Knowing that... It's, she, the baby's not compatible with life. And having watched what Grace went through... Mm -hmm. Every blood draw, every intubation, every line taped to her face and her head and everything. And to know that that's what your child is going to go through and that there's nothing you can do about it. It's just so wrong. It's cruel. It's really cruel. And I always say that. And Lindsay's been with me since the beginning. So she's heard this story so many times. But, you know, now that I have my other three children and I remember when they took Grace out and they intubated her. And the look in her eyes, John and I still talk about, I'll never forget how terrified that child looked. Mm -hmm. It was just like coming into the world, like just awful. Mm -hmm. And I just can't imagine a world where that's possible. There's just no compassion. So I've never been in this situation. And I, I, I can't say what I would do. But I know that the thought of me having anesthesia and my baby having anesthesia and my baby going back to be with her maker yeah, in peace and without pain is absolutely what I would choose. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's what I did. I mean, I'll go back to this. Like after, when I got pregnant with that second pregnancy after Grace, I remember being in your office in West Ashley because I could not go to the office in Mount Pleasant. Mm-hmm. And I told, I was like trying and trying and trying and I, something was going on. And so I, you ended up giving me Clomid and you said to me and you were, you know, you said, I want you to know I'm going to do this, but you know what could happen. Like, you know what this outcome could be at 11 weeks. And I made the choice because it was my choice to do that. Mm -hmm. And you advised me 
from a doctor, but you couldn't make that choice for me. Mm-hmm. And I made the choice and I ended up having to go to Planned Parenthood and have the abortion. And mm-hmm. I just... You had two choices. You did both. Yeah. You tried one and it didn't work out. And so you tried something else. Mm-hmm. It's my job as your physician. I mean, I've, I've heard women get upset that their doctor suggested termination, and I don't think that we suggest it. I think it's our job to tell you the risks, benefits, and alternatives. Absolutely. And to be able to counsel you about each of those. And nobody can tell me what I, what I can tell you in that counseling. The state can try and tell me. In some states, you're required to tell women that they have an increased risk of breast cancer and depression after a termination, which is not true. Mm. Um, there are states that want doctors to reimplant the ectopic into the uterus. What? Yeah, yeah, that's not a thing. That's not a thing. <laughs> um, it doesn't make any sense medically to try and legislate this. And what people get upset about is they think that they think that what I am getting all riled up about is. Girls going out partying and having sex and getting pregnant and being irresponsible with their birth control or not using a condom, and they want to think that it's an easy decision, that the world would be so much better with all of these beautiful, healthy babies that we are denying their existence. That's not it at all. But you know what? I'll protect that girl's right Absolutely. to do that just as much as I'll protect your right to make your family how you want to make your family. Right. Whether I agree with you or not, I've had patients in your situation do both things. I've had patients in your situation where it all worked out beautifully and where they they still don't have a family. Mm-hmm. Just to go back, and I keep referring to this letter, under this ban, mm-hmm. ectopic molar fetal anencephaly, is that how you say it? Anencephaly. Anencephaly. Preterm premature rupture of the membranes, cervical cancer diagnosis. Are these all exceptions? So these are all specific examples where I think people think that there are exceptions and it's not spelled out clearly enough for us to really go by that. Mm -hmm. So you got to remember that the penalty is for the physician. Two years in prison, a felony, and $10,000 fine. I don't think you can keep your medical license with a felony. I'm pretty sure I would not be able to keep my hospital privileges or get new hospital privileges with a felony. I'm pretty sure I would lose my license or not be able to be insured with malpractice and therefore not able to practice. Okay, right. so that's the consequence. Which is unbelievable. There is no consequence for anyone else. Um, These are real situations that come up, and this is like, I could have kept writing for pages and pages and pages. This is, like I said, I didn't even discuss your story and Mm -hmm. that kind of need for a termination. These These are the situations where me, as someone who's not an abortion provider, this is why... Abortion is healthcare, mm-hmm. and it's it's essential to us being able to live our lives and have control over our own lives and our own destiny, and to raise our families like we want to. And this is not just a 
a women's issue. I think that the men need to really get Absolutely. loud yeah. about this. Yep. When I counsel a patient or a couple through a miscarriage, I talk to the men and I'm like, look, this is important to you too. And you're going to, you're going to grieve in a different way probably than your wife. And let me warn you right now, mm-hmm. when you talk about it and she cries, don't stop talking about it because then she's going to think you're not thinking about it. And really you're trying to do, you're not, you're trying to, you know, be sensitive to your wife mm-hmm. or your partner and it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing on relationships, pregnancy loss, whether it's just happens mm. or, you know, whether it was desired and planned for and IVF and thousands mm. and year, thousands of dollars and years spent getting there, yeah. or if it was a whoops, it still affects both people. Right. No, totally. I was, you know, that was, it was so hard on John and I, like, because like, you know, I mean, I just think too, like, I just think of my situation with Grace just because we didn't know anything till the end. And mm-hmm. there was nothing at the end that we could have done except for what we did, you know. Right. But with that information, I would never put us in that situation again. I mean, it, we, I, I, was, I don't know on a purely, like, mental health level if I could have ever done that again. Well, something especially cruel about this bill is that there is language in there about how it's not an emergency. It's not a medical emergency if the woman has psychiatric issues mm. and or threatens suicide. What? Specifically in the bill. If she threatens suicide? Yeah. Basically lock her up in an institute until she delivers because she's just a vessel for the child. I mean, I suppose they think that women are going to come in and say, oh my gosh, I guess I got pregnant again, so I'm going to go in and tell them I'm going to kill myself if I don't get an abortion, and then I can just get what I want. <laughs> really? The, I think some of these people might, I'm sorry, this is probably not going to be a popular opinion, but I don't give a shit, have really bad women in their lives then. <laughs> like, if that's what you think is right happening, and, and when or I, perhaps no women in your life because you're such a dick that nobody wants to be around you. Amen, yeah. I mean, I, um, (laughs) I also think it's, you know, for anyone that's ever had an abortion, it's not like an easy form of birth control, you know, they're easier, much, much. Mm -hmm. Um, so like how are like, and I know you can't speak specifics, but like your patients currently reacting, have, are they talking about it? Are they just trying to keep their head down or other people in your profession or, I mean, my patients are talking about it and it may be because I'm kind of vocal about it and they feel that that's a, kind of a safe space. I sort of wonder if it's because everybody's shuddering and gathering their thoughts and hopefully... They're like, Natalie's got it. Uh, well, maybe they are. They're like, hey, <laughs> she's loud enough for all of us. Don't worry, she's on it. Um, which is fine. If if this isn't their passion, I'll I'll take up this road. But... Um, I wish there was like an army behind me. Yeah. Not behind me, with me. Yeah. Well, I'm with you. And there's a lot of people that are with you too. Um, I, I like, so just to go back to this, because I think that was there something in the bill and clearly I've read it, but I don't understand any of mm-hmm. it. It's where, very confusing. 
Yes. Where it says you have to call, like if somebody, a friend of mine had a molar pregnancy. Yeah. And she, this was years ago, she was living in San Francisco. Um, and she just went in and they told her and then she went and took care of it and it wasn't like a thing. It was just like, that's... Healthcare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now would there have to be a call made to deal with that or... So now, first of all, the bill does not lay out any sort of guidelines, which is my point. Like, who do I call? Mm-hmm. You know what's on the line. I just told you what's on the line. Just Two years in prison, felony, $10,000 fine, loss so of everything. So what do you everything. do? What do you do? I push the cart myself down the hall and to the operating room. Like, I don't know. I haven't had to do that yet. I think that any reasonable physician, I mean, there's the language in there is like any reasonable physician would assume that doing the termination would avoid, would avert death. Okay. Some, some language like that. So do I have to get another physician to agree with me? Is it the anesthesiologist's call? Because I'm the doctor taking care of the patient. I'm the surgeon, but I can't do my job. I'm not an island. I can't do it by myself. Right. I have to have anesthesia. I have to have a charge nurse. I have to have a circulator. I have to have scrub tech. I have to have somebody sterilize the instruments for me. Right. Like, I, I don't do this by myself. I can. Yeah. <laughs> and I will. And I will. <laughs> but I don't know what would happen in that situation. You cut, like tomorrow morning, if my first patient of the day is an ectopic with a heartbeat, I know what the standard of care is. I don't know who I have to ask, what I have to document where I go from where here. Where would you send her? To the hospital or to Planned Parenthood? Or is Planned Parenthood even still? I don't even know if they're open. We reached out to them yesterday to see if we could help volunteer Carter and I and Sean. And they sent, Carter talked to them, not me, but they, she said they sounded so overwhelmed. Yeah. So overwhelmed. And I was talking to a friend of mine that used to work there. And um, I guess right now, unless they put this in place, which they haven't yet, but they're trying to figure try to help people to send people in other places. Mm-hmm. So they're just just, yeah. Like patient by patient, looking at everyone. What can we do for this one? What can we do for this one? Yeah. So right. There were probably people that had had their consult, but hadn't had their procedure done. Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember when I had to go, I was there for one and then I was actually in the in office for another one. But I, uh, you, like Sally Shields was the one who helped me and she was my genetic counselor. And mm-hmm. before I even got the results back from the 11 week, the nuchal fold was thick. And she yeah. was like, let's just, it takes a while to get in. Let's go ahead and set your appointment. Oh, you know how long it takes to get an appointment right now? <laughs> you can't. That even affects the people that are living in the states that allow it. If you get pregnant in a state that allows you to choose what you would like to do with your own body, mm-hmm. you call for an appointment and they're like, uh, okay, but it, there's going to be a wait. Like, I don't know, weeks? <sighs> weeks? I don't know, months? I don't know. How is that even like, I just think because I've been through hell pregnant, Mm -hmm. like that whole 11 weeks. And I know I got everyone that's listening, please know this is like, I'm all I know is my experience, but, and I know other people have other experiences as well, but those 11 weeks, I, this is, I literally lived in fear and panic. Every time I would go to the bathroom and I'd wipe, I'd look for blood. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I did that with all my pregnancies, but, um, and I was on this 
this was, I was like on some chat with other people that had unbalanced translocations and mm-hmm. I was obsessed. I mean, I Googled everything. Mm-hmm. I just lived in fear and I can't imagine having to, once I knew that what we were going to have to do, having to hold on to that any longer mm-hmm. and just keep growing and being sick and your boobs hurt. Oh, and you feel horrible missing work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like I was shouting into a void before they passed this. Nobody got upset about it because when they passed it, nothing really happened. And nobody ever really thought that anything would happen to Roe. And now that it has, everybody all over the country is like, ah. Yeah. How do we do now? Yeah. And how do we navigate this? I mean, I I really don't know what to do except vote and support the right candidates. And this is like, this doesn't even matter so much who's the president. This matters who our state senators are, our state representatives. The the elections that everybody ignores, those are the elections that we need to be paying attention to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're the only Republican that voted against this bill was Sandy Sin. Mm. She was the only one, the only one that responded to my letter. What'd she say? I emailed her the other day, but she didn't respond, but at least she responded to you. She called me. Like, I have her cell phone. I don't know if it works anymore, but we <laughs> chatted several times. Um, if you can talk to somebody, most people are reasonable. And that's why I'm like, I'm glad that you said that your father-in-law read this and was like, this makes sense. Yeah, and they're very, very Republican. The, uh, surely they can understand this. Yeah. Surely they can see the impact that this is going to have on IVF pregnancies and embryos I that talk are to you about frozen. That yeah. And what are we going to do with them? And so, just to because that's something I was thinking about a lot too. So, I was talking to a friend, and she was saying that, and she's in healthcare that with IVF now, will they only, you know, when they go in to take your eggs out, will they Mm. only take out one now? No, because the chance of them actually getting a... But then what do they do with all the... What what if they get, say they get five great embryos and you only want one baby, then what do they do with the other embryos? That's what I'm saying. Well, there, there is no guidance there, but I guarantee you that they're coming for it. And... So that, I think that there's a chance that they would have to move the embryos to a more um, friendly state. I think that what a lot of people would say is that they should adopt the embryos, which people have a lot of problems with that, because then you have your genetic child running around there somewhere out in the universe, which, you know, that's a whole ethical mm-hmm. dilemma that people kind of struggle with. I think before you do, before you do IVF, they tell you. What are we going to do if you have extra embryos? Don't you have to even discuss, like, what happens if one of you dies? What do you do with the extra embryo? What happens if you get divorced? What do you do with the extra embryos? Mm-hmm. Um, they they couldn't make you implant them. And I'm thinking, like, this is going to make but frozen embryo transfers even more important to only get one baby. Yeah. Because if you get lots of babies... And I tell you, for example, oh my goodness, this Clomid worked great. Yeah. You're pregnant with five babies. Yep. 
John and Kate plus eight. Those were Clomid babies. Right. FYI. I'm Damn. not her doctor. Um, <laughs> but if you, it is my obligation to tell you, if you are pregnant with five babies, that I can increase the chance of you actually bringing home live babies if we reduce it to twins. Is that say. something you would do? I would counsel you on that. And then they would have to go somewhere else to have it done. Like at the hospital. Yes, but that that's not something that I really ever would have done. Yeah. Um, because it's compli- it's a very complicated thing. Um, and I th- that would be something that maternal fetal medicine would actually do. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, this okay. kind of affects all parts of OBGYN because it affects the reproductive endocrinology and infertility, all of that kind of care. It affects me as a generalist, do, like delivering babies and doing just regular old routine GYN stuff mm-hmm. and hysterectomies and things. It affects GYN oncology because they're the ones that take care of the choriocarcinoma and the gestational trophoblastic disease, which comes after a molar pregnancy, especially if it's not treated correctly. Um, it affects maternal fetal medicine all day long as they counsel people about high-risk pregnancies and dangerous conditions that the moms have. Right. Every time you get pregnant, you put your life at risk. Mm-hmm. At every point along your pregnancy, it is always safer for you to not be pregnant than to be pregnant. It is always safer at any gestational age. Now, this whole like talk about partial birth abortion and abortion at 39 weeks is just asinine because yeah. that's called a cesarean. Right, right. I had to. Right. We do them all the time. Right. <laughs> it's not illegal. Yeah. <laughs> just deliver the baby. Right. Um, it's not illegal, by the way, for you to be in labor and know that your baby's heart rate is not looking good and for you to refuse a C-section. Um, it's assault if I do a C-section on you without your consent. Wow. Have you ever lost the baby that way? Yeah. Mm. To watch it happen? Yeah. And you can't do anything about it? Jeez. Um, you know, we... In residency, we took care of a, we took care of everybody. It, Denver was most definitely a melting pot. There's people from all over the world, but they had a large Ethiopian population, and those women know knew what happened to women who had C-sections in their countries, and it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. And they would sometimes refuse C-sections because they were the only ones there with their children, and they weren't really willing to risk it because yeah. at home it's a risk. Yeah. Okay, so I know we got to kind of wrap this up a little bit, but I I don't even know. I don't even know like what to say. I mean, there's just so much to talk about and so much to digest, but if you could get on the floor of the Senate or the State House, what would you say? I think I would say I am a doctor trying to take care of your wives and your daughters and your granddaughters and your nieces. I'm trying to take care of the women of South Carolina. And this law ties my hands in so many ways. I know you want me to do the right thing, and I need you to answer these questions specifically. Every single one of them that I asked, I would want to know who is on this rape and incest committee. How do I reach them 24-7? Who determines what is life-threatening and when I can take a patient to the operating room for an ectopic pregnancy? I want to know how much blood you have to lose how much do you have to hemorrhage? How much do I have to transfuse you before your baby with a slow heartbeat can be removed from your body so you don't die? 
I want to know those specific answers to those questions because I know the medical answer. I know the standard of care. I know what will get me sued if I don't do it. (laughs) And I know what is the right thing morally and ethically and scientifically what to do. Right. So if you're going to tie my hands, you answer my questions. You tell me how to do this the right way. Otherwise, I'm risking everything, and that's not fair to my kids. Yeah. That's not fair to my husband. That's not fair to my dogs and my chickens. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's true. It's not, care- it's not fair for the women to wonder. Yeah. And I, and I don't... I know that I think all of the women out there need to make sure that you have a plan A and a plan B because there's no more plan C. Mm-hmm. Plan B, like the emergency contraception pill. Are they still on the shelves? And Ella, which is one that's available with prescription, they are limiting the number that you can get at CVS to three, but you can get it with a prescription and it is free. The Affordable Care Act covers contraception and that is contraception. It will not harm an existing pregnancy. So, public service announcement. Yeah. Um, Heard it here first. And if you get pregnant and you don't want to be, call immediately for an appointment. I would consider refusing a vaginal ultrasound. Nobody can make you have it. That's assault. Again, you cannot do it without somebody's consent. They can't see the heartbeat on your abdomen until later. Mm-hmm. It might buy you a little bit of time. Um, and my prayers go out yeah. for you. I'll do my best. I, I can promise that. Yeah. But I, I, I can't promise what everybody else does. Oh, this is heavy. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming. You're the best. You're welcome. You really are. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. Everybody vote for Joe. <laughs> Go Joe. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to our episode today. Please share with all your people. Rate us, review us, send us around. We love doing this podcast, but we need your help as well. Also, a few great things that are happening at the studio is we are starting a new class. It's free to everybody. It's called the Works 101. We're going to be offering it at our downtown studio the third Sunday of every month at 1215. You can come to this class as many times as you want. We're just trying to get a really good community feel, teach people about the works, what's up, what we're about. This will probably be more workshop style, so you can bring all your questions. We also just added a new pricing option. It's a buy one, get one option. Anyone can buy at one time, so whether you've been coming to us for years or it's your first time, check that option out. We'd love to see you. We also have the work streaming for those of you that do not live in town or those of you that travel a lot or just like to work out from home. Check that out as well. You can find that on our website. We have a whole app for it as well. So you can even put it on your computer, your phone, your TV. It's freaking awesome. And there's like hundreds of different workouts on there from all of us. It's not just me. Uh, July 20th through the 27th, we are having a pop-up in Denver, Colorado, which we're super, super, super stoked about. We're going to be taking over a space in the art district. So if you know anyone in Denver or just want to travel with us, uh, go and check all of our information out about that. You can buy a singular class. You can buy the whole five-day package. But we're excited. Maggie and I will be teaching all the classes there, and it's going to be a blast. We don't know how to do anything that's not really fun. So please come join us. Tell all your friends in Denver and the 
surrounding areas. Also, super stoked, Cycle is coming to Mount Pleasant, which is like freaking huge. So it's gonna be in the same shopping center as where the work sweat is. So you'll be able to get your double workout on. Uh, you guys, we're always happy to have you here and please come see us at the studio. Tell all your friends, we love you, we love you, goodbye.